Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. And uh, let's see, this week, Derek, it's already October, and don't know where the whole summer went, but it went, and it went pretty fast. <laughs> you know, it was it was funny. It was, uh, it was one of those summers, just like, it's so hot, no rain. It's like, oh, I can't wait for the summer to be over. And now it's like, whoa, whoop, whoop, whoops, it's gone. <laughs> you know what? Like, I mean, when it's September, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's getting into fall. And, stuff. and then all of a sudden October hits, and that seems, October for me seems to be the, wow, summer's done. Yeah. Sort of, you know, you're, you're into fall now and you're into the, the cooler weather and the leaves change color and, uh, you, know, you get all the honeydew lists going on, yeah. the ease troughs and trim the trees and put the f- patio furniture away. And, <sighs> uh, That's what I've got. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got many hours of cleaning up the yard and the gardens this coming weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got, we got the, uh, two big cherry trees I've supposed to trim down the last couple of years and. I've got to do it this year. So that's on the, the agenda. So a couple chores. apple trees and got to be done too. So cuts cuts into my paddling time. I know. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> this is wrong. But you know what? It hasn't been too bad weather-wise. You know, I'm still getting out at six o'clock in the morning and in a t-shirt. So I, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Uh, not freezing my butt off when I go into work. But it is the time of day or the time of year where you go to work in the dark you come and home you're coming and home and then it's, it's starting to get dark. It's starting to get dark yeah. sort of thing, right? Get another three weeks and uh, you're coming home in the dark. Yeah. You know, it's getting in there. It's getting losing a, about what? 15 minutes a day in light? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't take long. Yeah. But, but there's still plenty of time to be out there paddling and, uh, you know, many places to go and, you know, waterways don't uh, just freeze overnight like that. Yes. So we got uh, some some things uh, going anyway. Uh, there's a couple of trips I still want to do, and I know you've got your Ishbatina Ridge trip coming up um, next week. Yes, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys getting everything all? Because I know we talked last week about how things are going. Yes, we're uh, we're down just to, like all the details are hammered out. People have all the time off that's required. So now it's just, uh, we're just waiting and, uh, we're going to do a last minute grocery run before the trip. So it's, uh, right now it's, uh, everything is locked in. Maps are, are done. Lists oh, are yeah. made. Yeah. Gears, gear lists are. Yeah. It's all weather dependent now. We have a, uh, a five or six day window and we can do the trip in three days or we can do it in six days. So it really depends on weather. Yeah. Well, in this time of year, it's pretty, uh, hit or miss. Yes. It's hard to predict. Yeah. So, so I've been doing some pretty heavy hours at work there. So, you know, haven't uh, had a ton of time to do all the research of a few different things I wanted to check out. But when I did have some time to, to research a couple of subjects, you know how I, I've been checking out the, um, over the last while, the, the Navigation Protection Act, the, yeah, the old Waterways Act, We right? both looked into that and I still have to read it into more. Yeah. We talked about this, uh, Probably about 10 or 15 episodes ago. Oh yeah, at least. At and, least. Uh, and we kind of, it kind of dropped off our radar. And I guess because summer's over, it's time to start digging our teeth into uh, study well, with, material. With all the uh, political changes and stuff like that and seeing if anything was going to happen, I sort of just wanted to sit back and watch. But but uh, yeah, it's the time you're going to get back into it. You know, come, come winter when you're spending some nights indoors. Cabin fever. Yeah, you might as well do some reading instead of sitting in front of the old boob tube, right? Yeah. So I was doing some research in that and I came across, okay, and this is a bit far out here, but Sweden's right of public access, it gives them the freedom to roam just about anywhere in the countryside as long as they do not disturb or destroy. Okay. So picture this in Canada. Okay. (laughs) And they say it's quite unique to Sweden. Yes. The right of public access is the freedom to roam. You rely on the right of public access wherever you go out in the Swedish countryside, whether it is to take a walk, go kayaking, canoeing, climb a mountain, or just sit down on a rock to think. Under the right of public access, you do not need permission to cross private land, which is a huge one. Yes. This is the basis for the wide-ranging freedom they enjoy to spend time in the countryside. 
Now they do go on, they go on and they talk about how they, this has sort of come down from medieval times where you can go wherever you want in the country and, you know, as long as you're not destroying stuff and whatnot. Have you read into much of this? Like, is it, is there a lot of buy-in amongst the public in, uh... It seems to be a common thing. Um, there doesn't seem to be much backlash and everything. It says, now, it says, while the right to public access is guaranteed in the Swedish constitution, it is not enshrined in law. There are no statutes that precisely defines its scope. It's, they say it's hedged around by various laws that set limits on what is allowed and therefore not always possible to say exactly what you may or may not do in the countryside. While the courts have the power to interpret the right of public access, not many cases have actually come before the court of law. So if there's not many cases, that means there must be a lot of buy-in. So there's not much conflict. There's not people pushing back against it. No, no. And I think, I think it's just become... It's been around for so long, it's just taken for granted that, you know, they're not bothering me. They're not encroaching on my yeah. property. They're, you know, they're camping on the beach or whatever, you know, okay, they're fine. They're good. Now, there are a couple of uh, minor things. Conditions. Yeah, conditions. Camping. You may pitch your tent for a night or two in the countryside as long as you don't disturb the landowner or cause damage to nature. Lighting fires. You may light a fire in the country if conditions are safe, which is common sense. Yeah. But while a campfire adds to the outdoor ambience, it is a cause of concern to landowners. Every year, much valuable forest goes up in flames due to carelessness with campfires. That's the only negative thing I've seen while researching this. Um, But I mean, again, it's... There's places like bogs and stuff where, you know, if you set a fire there, yeah, you put it out, but it still smolders underneath, Mm -hmm. you know, peat bogs and stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's an issue. You may go ashore, swim, and then when it comes to boats, cast anchor, temporarily moor a boat offshore, provided it is not within the grounds of a house or part of a bird sanctuary or other nature, nature sanctuary. The grounds of the house are the area immediately surrounding the house. Basically, your yard. Yeah. So as long as you're not camping in somebody's yard, um, you got to leave the occupants must be left undisturbed. It is the risk of causing disturbance that determines how close to a house you may go. So there is no rules like, you know, it's got to be 50 feet or 300 meters yeah, so or no whatever. distance minimum. It's no. just not in somebody's it's, yard. It's just pretty much common sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the big thing I took from this is you don't need permission to cross private land. And where we've come across people, we've talked to them and whatnot, where um, I do believe Kevin Callan was on the, was it the meanest link he was doing his trip? And the lady said, you can't cross my land. Oh yeah. It was, it was an old uh, portage. Uh, portage. Well, I guess somebody bought the land and he said, you can't use this anymore. Huh. And the, and the, and the. I'll have to go back and check that out. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, he's talked about that before. Um, but I said, yeah, that's not there. If you, if there's a, if you need a portage, zip, off you go. Yeah. There's no, now we talked about before, uh, that place down the States where the people were on a sandbar. Yes. Off the guy's property. And they were actually still in the river on the sandbar. And it escalated to the point where the landowner shot one of the canoeists. And and in the states, there is still somewhat gray. There's a few states that have cleared it up for right of access, or what do they call it, water, right of waterway access, or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly what's called, but they do have that. But it, it's still very much gray area, and and there's it causes a lot of conflicts, and and. The example you just described, the guy did get shot. He, mm-hmm. I think he did push back. He did argue about his right to access and, and yep. canoe through. And the, the landowner, uh, yeah, dis- just disagreed escalated. with him and he shot the canoeist. Yep. So, so. but uh, it, it seems to be, um, almost taken for granted over there that, you know what? Yeah. They have the right to come in as long as they're not disturbing me, then they can yeah. camp there and. And, and on the other side, they're, yeah, as long as we don't disturb them, then we can, we have the right to camp here and everybody's just sort of doing it. Everybody leaves each other alone and, 
And so, everything goes honky dory, right? It's too bad we couldn't have that more here in North America. Oh, could you imagine that? Yeah, it and like I've still, I'm, unfortunately, I meant to be, keep meaning to look into it, but our Navigable Waterways Act has been pared down greatly by our previous government, and I'm we're hoping I'm hoping to see that the current government fixes it. But uh, that that right to access and navigable waterways is something that should be fixed. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, you know what? You, I've been canoeing places and you do as you're canoeing down the river or something like that. You think, oh, you know, you might want to zip off somewhere and go check something out. And then there's do not trespass signs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well. It's a waterway. Yeah. Because you can't own the water surface. No, but you can own the land on each side. Yeah, so you don't land. So if there's a big dam or fallen trees or something right through the water that you need to get out and around. Yeah. See, that's where there's right? gray area. And then that, that's when the landowner can go, well, you're on my land. Yeah. Well, I'm just going around the trees. Doesn't matter. 10 mm-hmm. feet on my land or not. And we're, in most cases you think it shouldn't matter. But then I guess if you look at it from the landowner's perspective, where if if you have a couple of people, like a dozen people every weekend crossing your land and walking over your land and crushing your tulips, then maybe it's going to be a problem. But Well, and that's where they've got here is you, as long as you don't disturb or destroy. Yeah, and that's Sweden. But yeah. I'm, And again, here, I've, if we could have our Navigable Waterways Act back, then it does make sense. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like remember in Bala, the, uh, there's a small water turbine power generator up in Bala and they, they purchased the, uh, the land and. That has the portage around. Yeah. So then they closed that. They, they thought it was their right to close on the portage, this historical portage that mm-hmm. goes through Bala, Ontario. Now there's, I don't know, know if that's been resolved yet, but we talked about it in the spring and, uh, I think we're still waiting to hear back to what the resolution is going to be. Yeah. That, I mean, that with this, that wouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear that, that a country has so come to terms with their own natural resources and, and right to access and right of way that it's so refreshing to see that they've got it straightened out. Yeah. And it's all just understood that this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it always will be, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, Sweden's right of public access and the freedom to roam. What a concept. Yeah. I like it. So that's what. I got from Googling stuff this week. This is one of the, <laughs> one of my, my Googling things. And, uh, now you got something on Google this week. Yes, I came across and I discovered this just this afternoon. I haven't had much time to really dig into it, but, uh, there's a, a gentleman named Pat Daly. And so this gentleman, he, it, it seems like he's starting up his own little, show business youtube channel something or other so i don't know enough about it to talk in great detail but i do know that he at one point sold a good majority of his stuff hitchhiked across the u.s from florida to san francisco and then he's been he's he's just a traveler it's almost like something you see on the outdoors channel if you go to his his website which is uh what's the website again truetransient.com so truetransient.com and so he traveled across the U.S. hitchhiking. He went to Hawaii, he went to Vietnam, and uh, eventually came back to the United States. And, and he's looking to progress his videography, his uh, his video channel. And so now he's decided to, and, and this sort of uh, keys into what we previously talked about with people who go to greater distances uh, to get out there to do and take their paddling to the next level. Yeah. Take it to the next level. Now this guy is doing multi-purpose. He's creating sort of a lifestyle and business out of it. So he's, he's going uh, crowdfunding, GoFundMe, and he's got sponsors and whatnot. So his current leg of his life journey or whatever you want to call it is with, for his video channel. And it looks, so he's got a YouTube channel and he's also got a lot of videos on his webpage. So right now he is traveling from New York City to Mexico. He's taking the intercoastal waterways, which is basically he's he's skirting the coast all the way down Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and he's going to stop when he gets to the uh, Texas-Mexico uh, border, border yeah. part of the um, intercoastal waterway. So I assume he's that's what he's stopping there. He's not going to continue on into Mexico, but uh, so that's his current journey, and he started about. 
what? August. In August? Yeah. So I have, I could only find two episodes and the last one was posted on September 28th. So I don't know if he's not posting a lot or what. Did he have a specific date that he started from New York City? I thought he was uh, leaving the 1st of August, he said. That's what he said. But yeah. then there's conflicting reports about when he did leave. But anyways, it's a, uh, it's a 2,600 mile journey, which is in the range of 3,700 uh, kilometers or so, a ball parking it here. But, uh, yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's traveling, he's, uh, just by himself in a canoe and it, it, just from his first, uh, few video clips that I watched, he seems a little bit woefully unprepared. Uh, he's gonna, I imagine he's gonna get some experience pretty quickly, but, uh, I, I didn't see, I'm looking forward to seeing further episodes because, uh, he doesn't appear to have a water filter. He seems to be stopping and hiking out to find food every time he does stop at night and he is camping in his tent. So I'm just curious how his trip develops, how quickly he's going to learn about, uh, you know, water safety and, uh, and healthy water sources and, and whatnot. And, and I'm surprised he's not even eating in camp with dried foods and whatnot. Yeah. It's, uh, he was eating in, um, restaurants. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he's, he's walking, he's now the first couple episodes you see, he's only making 10 kilometers a day or 10 miles a day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't have a water filter. So he's not a regular paddler. And I mean, he's, he goes on to say that right off the get go. Yes. That he's not a In his first episode, he was giving, given lessons on paddling, but well, lessons on paddling with a double bladed paddle. So he's using a kayak paddle in a canoe. He's got a short 13 or 14 foot canoe that's, uh, that's been donated to him. So he's... It seems like he's learning on the on his way. It's his, he's sort of documenting his life journey type thing. So it's, it's interesting. I'm going to follow him along and see how his journey goes and see if he makes it or not. And, uh, we'll, I guess we'll just have to see. Well, um, you go, if you go there, you can, there's, uh, a track, a track me thing. Oh, um, so does it give his current exact location? Yeah. And, uh. He seems to oops. move quite a far. Yeah. Delaware. Richmond. Oh, so he's, he's quite a ways Newport. along. He just has not uploaded any current Oh yeah, he's, he's south of Maryland, uh, Virginia. So he's gone he's hundreds in Virginia. of, yeah. he's gone hundreds of miles. Um, that's Virginia. Yeah. So he's, he's what, well, just looking here. What's the river he's on right now? I don't right, even he's know. At the, can... He's at the mouth of a river. There, he's in that bay that he just went through. Rappa, <coughs> Rappahannock? Yeah. Rappahannock River. He's, uh, he's right in there. Hmm. So, yeah. So he's farther along than his video show. So I guess maybe he's having difficulty uploading his videos or Could he's going to well more compile them as he gets further. Yeah. Make longer, uh, But longer it's good that he has a, a tracking map that, uh, you can see where exactly where he is at any current time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's an up to the minute sort of thing, yes. like spot. Like, yes. I mean, Mike, Mike Ranta does his spot, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Ranta is actually, uh. Right out in the East Coast already. Oh, yes. He's, yeah, uh, he's, he's almost be done. nearing his uh, end point. Yeah. Well, he was scheduled to end in October, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this Patrick Daly, go to true, uh, sorry. Uh, true Transient. True Transient.com and uh, check him out. He does, yeah, like, like you say, he throw him some money, he'll throw you a t-shirt or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he's got a couple links where you can chat live with them and whatnot when available. So yeah. it's, uh, he's open for questions. He's looking to meet people. So if you're down along the intercoastal high, uh, waterways, along the coasts of, uh, Southern coast and, uh, Florida and Louisiana and stuff, he'll, uh, he's looking forward to meeting people along his way. And if you want to come out and chat and ask him about his trip, he's open for that. What if the hurricane season is going to hit him? Well, you know, Florida is being hit by, uh, Matthew right Matthew, now. Matthew, yeah. Hurricane Matthew. So that's, yeah. uh, that's hitting Cuba right now. And it's supposedly it's going to run right up the coast of Florida. It's the first time in, in since 94, since they've been hit by category four. Yeah. I have a feeling, uh, Patrick may have some, uh, issues. Well, he can. There. He'll be battening down the hatches. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know what? Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's one of those, um, where people are taking their, the paddling to the next level. Yes. Now he's not a paddler per se, but he's learning and he's doing it. He's going to be a paddler by the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, by the end of it, he's, he's definitely going to be a a paddler. It's very ambitious. It's a very ambitious trip. Oh, big time. Uh, but it looks like he's going to be down at, um, uh, is it Brownsville or something? Browns, 
Brownsville. Yeah, Brownsville is where he, by the Mexican border. Yeah, where he's so gonna he's going to go as far as the border. Yeah. He won't cross the border, I don't think. Yeah, interesting. Like, like I said, I'd be interested to see, I, I wish he had a, a daily log where he wrote certain things. But uh, if he's got himself a water filter, because he had that big water jug thing. Yeah, it you know, was like five gallon. Five gallon jug. or something. And he was, he was emptying it in two days. Yeah. <laughs> he's um, drinking a lot of water. Yeah. And then having to find some place to fill it. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you say, taking away from, or walking away from your canoe to go find a yeah. restaurant to eat in and stuff. He's he's going to be doing mostly salt water, so he can't even filter. It's like he'll have yeah. to find, like he'll have to find some fresh source of water if he wanted to filter. But I, I guess it makes sense that uh, if you're in the intercoastal waterways, it's all salt water. He's he's going to have to go ashore to pick some up. He's not going to have a uh, reverse osmosis system on his canoe. No. Yeah, it's... Uh... But pretty interesting to uh, to to see this. Yeah, like I say, check out. He's got a couple of videos. Uh, you can see what he's been doing, and even still, you can, if you're interested in his hiking, hitchhiking across the U.S. Yes, uh, he's got like thingy. fifty hitchhiking videos as he trapes across from Florida to San San Francisco. Yeah, they're they're not very long. I mean, they're only a few minutes long each, but uh, it's uh, pretty neat to to see. It is, it is interesting. He's, uh, he's, he's well-spoken. He's clean cut. He's, uh, he makes good video. He's a good videographer. He's a good editor of his video. So they're a good watch or a fun watch. Yeah. We'll, uh, definitely keep an eye on this guy. So again, truetransient.com. Check him out. Patrick Daly. Um, keep an eye on him. See where he goes. And where we're going is to take a break. Yes. We'll be back in a minute. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. As we uh, discussed earlier there, it's that time of year where, you know, October, everything's winding down canoe-wise for most people. But uh, for people like us, we're still out there getting that last little bit done and then some. Um, and we have no problems paddling once the snow flies as well. And uh, until that water turns rock solid... <laughs> <laughs> We'll keep getting that uh, canoe out there, but and you re- people shouldn't really be afraid of trying this time of year too, because uh, one of the big benefits I find for tra- traveling this time of year is the lack of mosquitoes. Oh, you don't get the winter mosquitoes, <laughs> snow mosquitoes. But that, that's what keeps me from uh, camping early season. Oh yeah, oh, not yeah. me, man. I'm there first thing June when it's the, they're the worst. I always do a Father's Day trip. Yeah, for years now, and. Uh, ugh. They, they are so bad some years. Other years, not too bad, but it gets to the point where you just don't, uh, don't notice them anymore. But, uh, yeah, this time of year, there's no bugs left out there and, uh, you're pretty free to go without all that extra bug spray and mosquito netting and, and whatnot. But, uh, you never know, there might be those snow mosquitoes out there. <laughs> My grandfather yes. used to talk about snow snakes all the time. And <laughs> Going, going camping in fall. Got to watch out for the snow snakes. Um, but being as the water is getting colder, you got to start keeping in mind that you can't just jump in and go for a dip. Um, and if you do happen to tip your canoe, kayak, or fall off your paddleboard, um, that water is going to be a whole lot colder this time of year than it was mid-July. Could result in some dire circumstances. Yeah. Uh, so you just got to keep that in mind. 
And one of the things, because we always talk about, oh, it's such a nice day out paddling. You know, you're, it's a nice sunshiny day, but the water is still cold. Yes. Um, so I want to talk a bit about clothing and the big thing being dressing in layers at this time of year. Um, a few layers of thin clothes, uh, you know, like thin t-shirt, that sort of stuff. It can be just as good as having one big, thick, bulky layer, you know, instead of having the, you know, the big parka, have a few thin layers, but it allows you by having the layers, it allows you to adapt to the temperature of the day and as you start paddling more, because I mean, if you paddle harder, you're starting to get yeah, warm up and you're starting to sweat and you can start taking off the layers. Um, and that's a big thing at this time of year is you can start out with all your layers on in the morning. I mean, if you're getting an early start in the day and, you know, it, it is chillier than normal, um, you start off with all your layers and then as you start paddling and the day gets warmer as the sun rises higher and the outside temperature, you know, is getting higher, you can start taking off, you know, you take off the first layer being a, a jacket and the second layer being a, like a hoodie or something, you know, if it gets that warm. So just wanted to say the, the first layer that's right next to your skin, that is there to help keep the moisture away, to wick, wick, wick away the moisture. Yes. Right. Because you don't want layer. that. You don't want that sitting against your skin. So when you're sweating, you want that sweat and that moisture to, to wick away from you. Now, I know I've got a couple of those wick away shirts. Yes. That I'll put on. And we're not talking cotton or anything like that. We're talking some sort of fast drying material. Yeah. So that should be your first layer. Uh, and usually this time, as it gets farther into the fall, I'll, I'll make sure it's a long sleeve. Yes. Um, cause I mean, I got some short sleeve ones that I wear, but I, I'll get the longer sleeve wick away shirts that do it. The second layer should be something a bit heavier, like fleece and wool. And that way, you know, you pull that on over an overhead or, or a zip, something like that. Um, so that's still keeping you warm. So, you know, you're, you're, you're losing the, the, the moisture from your body for the first layer, but this is keeping the heat from your body in still. Yes. Um, then the third layer should be a bigger one, but it should be windproof and waterproof. That's the big thing about that outside layer, wind and waterproof. Because this time of year, as we mentioned earlier, the, the weather this time of year could be hit or miss. You know, you, you could be sitting there paddling a nice day and then all of a sudden the wind picks up and it's not a nice warm wind. It's going to be a cold wind. Uh, it could be a bit of drizzle coming. And again, when you're out with the cold wind and the rain, you're, that's just asking for problems. You want to stay dry. You want to stay warm. And that's, that's the whole thing is warm and dry. And that, the, the layers will really help that. And to maintain warm and dry, don't forget it needs to be breathable. Yes. Otherwise you're just basically wearing plastic and that's going to hold all that moisture in. Key thing is to allow the inertia of your, your body heat and that layer, that flow of moisture, humidity, leaving your body to migrate through the various layers of fabric and condense or move away from you through the final few layers to get it away from your body, allow it to leave and stop any rain from coming back in. Because if the, if the layer, the final layer is not breathable, you're just going to be collecting water. It's, it's like going to be one of those desert um, water collectors, right? You're just going to be collecting all this moisture and humidity next to your skin. And then you're going to, you're going to get chills. Water is going to condense against your skin. And, and uh, that's not a good way to go. You're not going to be, you're not going to be well protected. No. And if you're out for the day, you don't want to be sitting there getting the chills. Nope. Absolutely not. You start working, working up the temperature, working along, and then you, as you work up that sweat, whether you're chopping wood or you're clearing site, setting up your tent, that humidity is, is collecting against your skin without a breathable layer. And, uh, and you find yourself chilled. And I, I remember probably 10 or 15 years ago when I learned this, like I started out buying really cheap gear, right? I just, I didn't know about the details of, uh, of wicking material and waterproof and breathable material, right? I just thought, oh, Gore-Tex, that's way too expensive. That's ridiculous, right? So I had this rain jacket that I had, and it was like completely waterproof rain jacket, both directions. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, it was, it was late September 
it was chilly and windy, but it wasn't raining. But to keep myself warm away from the wind, I had to wear the rain jacket so that the wind didn't sap my heat. But because I was working and setting up camp and cutting wood and, and whatever, I was working up a sweat. And that water was just collecting against my skin on, on my under layers. And I kept I would uh, take the uh, rain jacket off and, and when I hand slipped up the sleeves to take the jacket off, my hands got soaking wet because there's so much water collected on the inside of the sleeves that it was just a, a slick layer of moisture. And it's like I was stunned. I couldn't believe what, what's going on with this, right? And it's just that the rain jacket that I had was just completely waterproof. So it made for a miserable trip. I uh, I was supposed, it was a solo trip into Algonquin Park. It was supposed to be a, a five or six day trip. And I ended up leaving after, uh, at the start of day three. I just, it was, I couldn't handle the conditions. It wasn't even raining. It was just windy. And, uh, because of the wind, I had to wear my rain jacket. And so it just, it was very miserable. I was just constantly wet on the inside of my rain jacket. I had to take the rain jacket off just to off gas. I was having larger fires than I wanted to, to try and dry off my sweaters and stuff. It was, it was a big mistake and I've learned that lesson. So the key thing is you have to be prepared for the elements. Do you want to make sure, of course, you want to make sure your trip is comfortable, but you also want to end up being safe. You don't want to make a hazard to your own self by whatever gear you supplied yourself with. Well, this time of year, if all of a sudden you get the snow squall come in or a nice, you know, uh, Arctic wind come blowing down through, that's going to, that's going to just freeze you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're you're yeah. in you're in your wet clothes. There's and, no protection. Yeah, there's nothing. You're you're just getting nice and chilly there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's it not only it makes you uncomfortable, but it could be a, a safety issue. It has or just. The other thing you got to think of um, is like a warm hat with a toque, like yes. like a toque, right? Yeah, not just uh, a baseball cap. No, you you. <laughs> I've had that conversation with a few people about seeing them wearing caps at this time of year. You know what, when you're out there and the wind's blowing, you definitely want to wear a toque because that's where so much heat leaves your body is through your head. Yeah. You know, and your hands, nice warm gloves. Yeah. I know you're paddling, um, but I've always worn a nice pair of gloves that keep my hands warm because your hands, you, you dip them in the water or whatever, your hands get, get wet, they get cold and especially the fingertips and all that, it is so hard to warm your fingers up. Well, your hands are your most important tool that you could have on you on a trip. You you can't do anything without your hands. So no. if, if you get chilled and your hands get uh, stiff and, and clumsy because of the cold, then it, it's, it just makes everything so much worse. You're sitting, you're going to have to constantly be sitting at a fire. If you can get a fire going because your hands are so cold. So that that's the risk. You need to protect your hands. Yeah. So your head and your hands and your body. Now, as you get farther into fall, um, you mo- probably want to consider a dry suit, depending on the type of paddling you're yes, doing. Yes, depending on the type of paddling, if you're doing whitewater or whatever, it, like a dry suit. And especially, like, even if it's just flat water, if you plan on getting any distance from, from shore, you need to have a dry suit. Because if yeah. you are not protected by a dry suit and you turn over in the middle of a lake, you're going to die of hypothermia before you can ever reach land again swimming. Yeah, I mean, I, on a personal note, that's one of my big... Um, points when, when I'm canoeing this time of year and later into the season is close to shore. Yes. Never cut across the big lakes. Always, you know, it, it doesn't take much longer just to skirt around. And you're out there for fun anyways. Why not just take a little bit of extra time paddling? Yeah. You know, when it's it comes to it as a safe thing. Um, but the advantages of a dry suit is that it keeps you warm and dry in case of a dunking. Yes. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're paddle boarding and you go over, you're kayaking and you, you, you go over, you're canoeing and you tip, you know, this is going to keep you dry and it's going to keep you warm and it allow you to get to shore and get out safe and, and whatnot. The disadvantage of a dry suit is they go anywhere from a few hundred to over a thousand dollars. Yes. They are not cheap. Exactly. And where it gets to be expensive is, is sure, you could probably find a nice cheap one, but that's going to be like wearing a baggie again. It's going to hold any perspiration against your skin. You need something that's a, a, a splash suit, a dry suit, that's going to be breathable, and it's going to be easily to uh, put on and take off. 
and and that's where your the expense is going to come from. It's and it's going to make the the expense is high, but it's going to make your comfort level so much more improved. Well, I was looking at the uh, Kokatat uh, website, and yeah, they've they've got them there. I mean, I'm looking at these dry suits for twelve hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there's different ways to get into them and all that sort of stuff. There's all these different things, but there's they call them the gaskets around the wrists, the, the ankles, the neck. Yeah, yeah. So no, no water gets in, you know, and that's, that's the key thing is you're staying dry, right? What people can also consider is that if it's, if you're doing, let's say you plan on doing this one-off fall trip or spring trip, whatever, you can rent these suits. Yes. So the outfitters do rent these dry suits that you can, you can take on your, your one spring trip and whatever, so that you don't, you're not biting the bullet on like twelve fifteen hundred dollar dry suit you uh you, you are at least you, i don't know I, i'm not sure the exact cost of renting one of these things but you're going to save 90 percent just by renting it and then you you don't have to worry about if you rip or tear it the, like they're insured so you would uh you have to pay some sort of deposit and and that's going to be covered and they'll repair the suit themselves yeah and this way at least you also get a feel for what it's like to be paddling in a dry suit yes so you know what over the winter you want to save up your cash or or whatever and uh christmas time ask for money towards it that's where i'm getting right now with my birthdays and christmas <laughs> and stuff like that well what do you want well i want this thing but it's going to cost like 800 bucks so everybody's <laughs> just give me money for birthday and christmas and I'd have a bar mitzvah if I could have one. <laughs> you know, just just to get the cash to put towards stuff like this now. Gone are the days when, yeah, I need a new $40 something because I'm way past that now. We need to convince Kokotat or somebody to become friends of the show and, oh, and yeah. donate some dry suits. <laughs> uh, the other thing actually I saw on um, the Kokotat site, if you can't afford or don't want to splurge on a full dry suit, Companies like Kokotad offer pants and jackets. Oh yeah, uh, such as the Gore-Tex dry tops. Mm-hmm. So you just have the 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 jacket, for instance, if you're in a kayak with a skirt. Yes, and then you comes, just have the jacket. Yeah, if you're if you're skilled enough to to not uh, have to bail out of your Roll, kayak yeah. all the time, then uh, then you can easily uh, keep your legs dry and just wear the top and not the bottoms. Yeah, and there's also the pants. They have the it looks like they have the gasket around the waist. And the ankle, so your 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 legs are staying dry and everything. Yeah. And that's what they're saying is is when you, they talk about dunking in the cold water, um, you know, they say don't waste a ton of energy swimming. If you can roll over, face the sky with your elbows close to your side and your hands crossed in front of you, and keep your legs closed. Keep your legs closed, and your because clothes. that's where a lot yeah. of heat dissipates yes, from. Absolutely. So if you're wearing those pants and staying dry, yeah. you know, that's, that's sort of a, a safety thing there. Yeah. It's um, core heat. You got to protect the core heat. Oh your yeah. Armpits, your groin and your head. Yeah. When you get into the stuff about hypothermia and stuff and, um, telling you what to do, what not to do is they're saying if somebody's got hypothermia, you know, don't automatically heat their legs and everything because that pushes the cold blood back up towards their heart and lungs, yes. which lowers their core temperature. Mm-hmm. So it, actually by heating their legs and everything first really fast. It's detrimental. It's detrimental. Yeah. You have to start with the core. And yeah, it's funny cause you don't, you don't really think about that. Yeah. So yeah, you know what, when you, when, like I say, keep going, keep going out there this time of year. You still got plenty of time to be padding left, but be aware of the weather, dress in layers, your thin layer to, to wick away. Like go to any of those sport check places or uh, sports stores, hockey stores. They have a lot of the, the wick away stuff. Um, thin layer over top of that, a, a, a wool or fleece jacket merino and something. Wool. Yeah, merino wool. Yeah, that's that'd be a good one. Um, and then a, a, yeah, a jacket over top of that that's windproof, waterproof, and all breathable. Um, and yeah, if you can later on in the season, getting into November... Uh, and I mean, even we were paddling in December last year, you definitely want to be seeing a, getting out there with a, with a dry suit, you know, you're starting to push it cause it, it doesn't, uh, take long for one, one bad flip to happen. But when you're out there, one of the things I do paddling in the colder weather, keeping a dry bag in the canoe. 
In there, I've got a spare set of clothes for each person in the boat. I've got an emergency blanket and fire making tools. Um, I, you know, if, if you're going over. Yes. You know, you got that dry bag. Whether, Everything inside will be dry. Whether it be a, a white water trip or a flat water trip, you're, it's, it, if it's your flat water, if you flip in a lake, you're going to be able to unhook this bag and drag it ashore. It's going to be so difficult to drag an overturned canoe ashore. Yeah. But at the very minimum, if it's an emergency, you could drag this small bag ashore, tuck down into the woods away from the wind and get yourself a fire going. You have some emergency supplies in this bag, some dry clothes, something that will save your life. Yeah. Right. And if you're, if you're in a whitewater trip, it, it, you're, you're either going to lose your canoe or your bag. So if you lose your backpack, you have the canoe with your little safety kit. If you lose the canoe down the river, you might still have your backpack. So you, you're, you're diversifying your, your safety quotient there, right? Yeah. Uh, and the biggie, paddle with a partner. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, there's a lot exactly. of people that like to do the solo trips and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I've done solo trips up through October. And, um, you know, you, if, you, if you are doing the solo, you got to really use your brain. But as you get farther into October and November... Don't go home without. Don't 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 leave home without a partner. Yes, or uh, else you may and, become a statistic. Yeah, and we and we don't want that. So enjoy the fall weather and enjoy the pre-winter and early winter paddling. Get out there. There's still plenty of time left before the ice starts, and uh, just be safe and and uh, use your brain a bit and make sure you come back home. So uh, Derek, let's take a quick break here, and you got another piece of equipment you want to talk about. I do. All right, we're back in a moment. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Hey, this is Sean Rowley of Paddling Adventures Radio. When out on the water, a bad map can lead to a terrible paddling experience. That's why when paddling Tomogamy, Killarney, and Algonquin Park, I've come to rely on Jeff's map. If you're looking for a waterproof, tear-resistant map with paddling routes, portage data, historical points, and much more, then go to jeffsmap.com and see the maps I use. Available in print or in a downloadable format, jeffsmap.com. Big thing in the news this week, Derek, when it comes to gear, Cabela's and Bass Pro. Yes. Uh, they merged. And. So this is a uh, huge merger. This it is, is pretty significant. And uh, it's, I think there's some concern. It, I think this could be good and bad for the consumer. And it could be good and bad for small market manufacturers. So I don't know if everybody knows about it, but Bass Pro Shop has purchased Cabela's, huge $5.5 billion merger now. They've, what, but what they've done is they've created this near monopoly within the hunting and fishing gear industry. So chances are anybody out there, like nine times out of 10, you're going to be purchasing from these people all of your hunting and fishing purchasing, purchasing and needs. Now, Cabela's, they've got about 90 stores, uh, U.S. and Canada, so 80 in the U.S., 90 in Canada, and uh, Bass Pro Shops has about 99. I'm not sure how many they have total in Canada. But now this, this huge merger, about 200 stores or so, just under 200, they, the big concern is that with their near monopoly, any small manufacturers of gear, so if you have somebody who's a one-off manufacturer, they, they could have sold to Bass Pro or sold to Cabela's. Now Cabela's and Bass Pro will be under one umbrella. And if they choose to say, not buy a certain manufacturer, I'll pick a big one just for the sake of it, like North Face or something, then North Face is going to go, oh, there's 80% of our yearly sales. This could crush a small manufacturer. Well, if Cabela's bought from North Face, for instance. Yes. But Bass Pro didn't. didn't. Well, now. Neither will. Right. Potentially. Potential. Right. Potential. And it, so it's this, like I said, this is an example. This is just a small example of how it could, like um, some mom and pop operation out there who uh, sells toques or some mom and pop operation out there who sells paddles. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, this is, this is the risk. 
So now, it's just something to be aware of, like in, in the gear, when we're talking about gearing up for, for trips and for paddling and anybody who likes to fish when they paddle. Well, you know what? I know Bass Pro because I hit the one that's, that's in Toronto here, the Bass Pro shop. And I mean, I'm always there for fishing stuff. Yes. And that, that to me, that's what it is. But when you start looking online at everything they sell, there's like camping gear up the ding dong and paddling gear and fishing and hunting. They sell like everything to do with the outdoors. Yes. One of the stats I saw is that the, uh, I think it was Bass Pro and they're like a $4 billion year industry that just won half of this thing. And now the merger is like an $8 billion year merger. Anyways, they, uh, 20, a full 24 to 25% of all their sales are online sales. Yeah. That's huge. That's big That's time. Like, well, online is the way to... Yeah, and, and most people do it nowadays. Like if it's not something you have to check out or try on, if it's if you're buying a new rod and reel or whatever, most people like to go and see and, and whatever. But if something's on sale, you're just going to buy it and take a chance and see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So definitely have to keep an eye on that. Yes. Another thing, since we're talking about gear, is uh, on October 2nd, uh, GoPro came out with their latest version or their latest model. And you know, this is that big technological race. You got the new iPhone, the new Samsung, whatever. Anyways, mm-hmm. GoPro just keep on, on top of and be, and maintain their industry lead. They, everybody has to develop. Anyways, I, uh, I was looking into the new GoPro Hero 5 Black as well as the Hero 5 session and, or, and the GoPro session, like they've, they've made a few leaps and bounds. Like they, the, a few things that didn't really change is, uh, there was no real improvement over resolution or frame rate for the Hero 5 uh, and the Hero 5 session. The, uh, I, but that was, this is not a concern because the frame rate and the, and, and the resolution were, are already top notch. You know, you got 4k and you get a uh, high frame rate. It's their t- industry lead as it is, but a few other function uh, internal functionality upgrades, I think really kind of bump this up and you yourself, you use GoPros, right? Yep. And a lot of people you're out camping, you're out doing whatever. A lot of people are putting their stuff online. A lot of people in industry, like everybody's starting their own little sort of YouTube business or they're, they've got some side to their other business where they want to share with the public and share with friends. So uh, GoPro is like, this is, this spans across so many, so many hobbies and industries. Like if, if you're canoeing, camping, if you're, if you, if you ride motorcycle, if you ride, uh, mountain bikes, if you, anything you do, like everybody uses these, uh, action cameras nowadays, right? Well, I've got the suction cup so I can put it uh, right on the side of the canoe. Yeah. And I've seen some of your yeah. videos of the, of the, just lapping along the edge of the yep. water. It's, it l- makes some from, for some really good, uh, videography. And the gentleman we mentioned, uh, at the start of the show, Pat, uh, Daly, he, um, he, a lot of his videoing is, is on the GoPro. So you can see the quality that it produces. You're talking high def, high quality video output. Anyways, with the, just to briefly talk about some of these upgrades that they've come up with, um, they've improved the housing. They've improvised, uh, stabilization. There's better audio, the better ease of use. Like a lot of the stuff that I've heard people complain about with the GoPro, with either it's the battery or it's awkward to use, or it's like, is this thing even recording? So a lot of people had a few complaints and they've really picked up on this and they're responding to the consumer, the complaints about how easy it is to use or with battery. And one of the big ones is battery complaints. Big time. So with ease of use, like previously, like new people into the market were, there was a bit of a learning curve, but now this thing is super easy to use. There's only two buttons and there's a lot of, uh, menu items. It's all touchscreen menu on the GoPro 5 Black. So it, the, uh, a big thing is image stabilization. A lot of people that, uh, that I saw reviews and they talk about it, they said this, they thought the the resolution was better, but actually with the frame rate and everything improved, it's, uh, they thought that the resolution was approved. It's just stabilization alone for controllability. There's now voice control. You can tell it to record or stop recording, or you can say, take burst photo and it'll take a burst photo. Um, for microphones, they have the GoPro, the, the five has, uh, 
three uh, microphones and it uses a uh, software to cut down on wind noise. And anybody who's used them has experienced the, the deadening wind noise on, on the unit when you record. As well, you can now, there's a speaker, so you can play back on the unit with its color LCD as well as the touchscreen control it. So all of these things, I think, make the GoPro Hero 5, again, the industry leader for action cameras. It's a much better camera. It definitely looks like they made a huge amount of upgrades to it and might be time to upgrade myself. <laughs> of course, the price point might be a little daunting. It always is. But uh, yeah, we'll take a peek and maybe have to go hit the store and check them out. And speaking of checking out gear, I definitely think this Saturday I'll be uh, heading down to the Canadian Outdoor Equipment Company in Mississauga. And you're going to join me? I'm going to tag along. I don't need anything. I'm not looking for anything. I don't need any new gear. But boy, do I like the shop camping gear. I need a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going strictly to... You know, like I said earlier, is I'm getting to the point where I don't need a $20 item. I need bigger stuff. And yeah, they got some stuff there I want to check out. So we'll uh, see what happens. But in the meantime, people that are listening here can check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com. They can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.